Christ Church Kingwood is a Christ-centered church that seeks to proclaim the gospel in both word and deed by glorifying God and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we worship together in the ministry of the word. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Well, before... Uh someone gets up here and preaches. I just wanted to intro him. Uh, If you are new, you probably don't know him. Jeremy McCowan, he has been an elder at Christ Church, has been a longtime friend to so many of us. Uh, He is a director of a counseling organization called Better Days, and he's in town this week meeting with some clients and different people, and he offered to come and share God's word with him. So we just wanted to thank him and Sarah for y'all giving up a weekend and joining us. And so If he will come up, I don't even know where he's at. There he is. We've got him mic'd up, but thank you. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Um, Yeah, name's Jeremy. Um, Elder here, pastor here for a few years, and we moved to San Antonio about three years ago, a little less than three years ago. Uh, it's always good to come home, to, in a sense. Um, I've been in, in Houston area for about a week now, and all around the different parts of Houston, it's been weird being here for this long. This is the first time I've been here for this long since we left, and it just, you know, familiarity starts to come back, and you're, like, starting to feel like, oh, I, do I still live here? This is weird. It's all coming back. <clears throat> but there's such an affection for this community in particular, so many close friends and family um, that were so rich and a big part of our lives. And the other day I was reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I came across this verse. And it's amazing, some of you, most of you, or probably some of you know um, Dave and Marina Joe Fields. And I met them a year or so ago and started a conversation with them. And they were in Puerto Rico and started talking about uh, moving to Texas potentially and their counselors with Better Days. But in the part, the, the part of our conversation was them coming, hey, you need to find a community. And I think there's a really rich church community for you in Kingwood. I think that would be beneficial for you. And since they've moved, I've had a couple conversations with them. And they're like, man, it's been since we came into Christ Church, it's just been amazing. Like the way that people have embraced us and taking us in, and this verse came across uh, my path the other day. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. He says, and besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For whatever boasts I made to him, for whatever boasts I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus was proved true. And his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. So I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. And it was like, man, I'm living living the reality of the scriptures. Like I boasted about Christ Church Kingwood to the fields before they came and they came and they're like, man, thank you for sending us to Christ Church. Um, 
just proved true. And so what an amazing moment. I just wanted to share that with you all because it's encouraged me um, to speak highly of this community and to send some people here that have been embraced and now part of the community has, has been amazing to see. So thank you. I'm grateful to be here with you all. We're going to get going this morning. <clears throat> I guess last time I was here, it was kind of funny, uh, back in February, uh, kind of brought in the, the book of Revelation. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 4 most of the time today. But I want to start in Revelation chapter 22. It's like, this is funny. The past two times I'm here, we got to go to Revelation. But it's so good. Revelation 22 Verse 1 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of of the nations. This prophetic vision that John has, the angel shows him in John 22, is very, very, very similar to this vision that Ezekiel had in chapter 47 when he sees the water flowing from the temple. And in verse 11 or verse 12, it says, And the banks on the river on both sides where there were growing all kinds of trees for food. And their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. You guys pray with me. Father, it is a privilege, um, truly an honor to be here with your people. And uh, we're grateful that you call us your own that you call us sons and daughters of the Most High, that you um, embrace us and invite us into relationship with you and communion with you. And we're grateful to sit together, to worship, to, um, to humble ourselves before you and to exalt you this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing to you this morning. Amen. <clears throat> so I wanted to start here in Revelation 22 because um, it talks about this tree of life and the tree of life being the, the leaves of this tree being the healing for the nations. And Ezekiel has the same vision of this, these trees along the banks of the river being the healing for the nations. And this is kind of a culmination of what started back in Genesis chapter 12, where God calls Abram and says, you're going to be a blessing to the nations. Like, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to bless the, the nations. The world will be blessed through you. And fast forward to the New Testament, the consummation of the church with the Spirit being poured out, and the church going out, and the church being a, a blessing, a, a, way, a place of healing for the nations, that God's truth and gospel flowing through his people into the earth. And it blesses the earth, the nations of the earth, his church, his people. 
Um, so I'm, I'm a tree guy. For those of you that don't know me, um, those that do know that I'm a tree guy. I enjoy trees. I'm not a tree hugger. Um, I'm not an arborist. I'm not on that level, but I just enjoy trees. I enjoy the, their intricacies, the uniqueness of them, the different types of trees, uh, how they change in the season. I mean, who doesn't like to see the beautiful change in the, in the fall of all the leaves and going up to the, the north and seeing all the trees change? I mean, it's there's so many cool things to experience with trees and um, then the spring and the way, they, the way they grow. And I think there's just so many things that we can learn about God and how we live through his creation and particularly, in, in, in my opinion, trees. Um, and some of you maybe think, this guy's weird. <clears throat> That's weird. Uh, you just look at trees. You're excited about trees. But I just want to say Jesus did it first. Okay. Matthew 6. He talks about the lilies, go look at the lilies, go look at the birds. He's like, look at creation. He's like, check it out, consider it, observe it, and learn from it, right? So Jesus did it first, guys. Don't, don't look at me like I'm weird. Um, but I do like trees. And there's a picture right here of this little oak tree that's growing outside the window at, at my house. Um, my office is right on the other side of kind of that. <clears throat> so I look at that little oak tree there. And that tree, you can, my wife will attest, like, when I realized, when we first moved into the house, I thought it was a weed. And then as it grew, I saw the little leaves, like, wow, that's a tree. That's cool. I'm going to go, I'm going to grow a tree. I'm going to be a tree grower. This is amazing. So we just kind of protected it and left it, and it grew. The first couple years we were there, it grew. And that was taken, this picture was taken last fall. So sometime kind of in the fall, went going into the winter sometime. And you can see that the leaves have turned orange there. They were pretty, pretty green. Now they're orange and they're about to fall off. Uh, well, they f- shortly after this picture was taken, they fell off. And this um, rogue lawn care guy, not yet, Jeff, not yet, whoa. This rogue, <laughs> rogue lawn care guy comes by and chops down like half of the little stick that's sticking up out of the, the ground there. And I thought, my tree's gone forever. Uh, then spring shows up and the rains fall Lots more rain than we've had in San Antonio in a while. And this thing just took off and it started growing and it got amazing. It was beautiful and it even grew even faster and bigger than that. Like this sucker was almost three foot tall. Had all kinds of leaves on it. It was beautiful and amazing. And rogue lawn care guy shows up again. Go ahead, Jeff. And he chops my tree down. And you can kind of see this little twig sticking up there. There's, those are dowel rods around it. But you see this stick right in the middle just sticking up. Like that's what happened to my tree. This thing was like almost three foot tall, lots of leaves. There it was, beautiful, healing for the nations, right? And then all of a sudden, boom, it's just a twig. And I'm like, my tree's gone forever. Sorry. <clears throat> well, good news. This picture was taken about three weeks ago. So you see the little green leaves? My tree's not gone forever, folks. It's growing back. Well, all of this kind of started spiraling for me, uh, transpiring. Like it was, I was processing this because I was so amazed that what this little, this little twig sticking up out of the ground was thought it was gone forever. Um, now there's new growth on it. There's new life coming forth. And so I had this I kind of just pondered this one day. I was watching these little green sprouts grow up and trying to imagine, like, where where are they coming from? They're not coming from the old life. They're not coming from the old tree that was there. 
that we saw on the outside, they're growing from the roots, right? There's something underground that we can't see that's producing life, that's making new life come. So I started processing that. And that's one thing, just one little thing you can think of, you can learn from a tree, that God, how God has created life. Um, and one of the things I, I, I'll offer to clients or counselees is one of the homework assignments I'll do is ask them to go sit and stare at a tree, <laughs> which they look at me like I'm weird for, for a bit. But uh, I encourage them, go sit and stare at a tree and just think about the things that you can learn. Like, what, what do you see? What do you not see? What's happening that you're, you're not noticing? What's not happening? Like, what do, you, what do you just observe about this tree? And one of the things in, in this practice that I'll offer to counselees is, like, one of the things that's amazing about trees is that there's life and growth and things happening when you can't see it. Like, on the inside, there's movement. There's life happening. And the trees are, like, just the stillest things in the world, right? They're just, like, unless the wind's blowing, there's no movement whatsoever. But in that moment, there's growth. There's life. So our passage today in 2 Corinthians, um, this is all kind of came about when I was thinking about, when you think about growth in life, pruning happens, right? Jesus talks about this. Uh, he said he will prune the branches that do not produce fruit, you know, for the sake of more growth and more produce. We need pruning. So we understand that. But with my little tree here, I had the thought the other day, I was like, what happens when our lives get stripped? When circumstances, situations, afflictions, struggling, suffering, pain, things that we're not expecting, relational tensions that we're not ready for, what happens when those things come across our lives, when some rogue landscape guy just strips us bare of all of our leaves and we're kind of left with, well, I wasn't ready to be Prune, was this really a pruning? What do I do now? Like there's the life that I had, I thought I was going to have, it's not there anymore. How do, I, how do I get through this? So that's where we're going to go today in 2 Corinthians 4. Paul says this, 16 through 18, he says, so we do not lose heart. Because when you have a little twig sticking up out of the ground that was once a beautiful tree and it's not anymore, it's easy to lose heart. So Paul says, don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Things that are unseen are eternal. In this passage, chapter 4, Paul just got through um, kind of referencing some, some things he had been through. And that's kind of, he, he does it a couple times in this book in 2 Corinthians um, what he just got through saying, was, he used words like afflicted in every way, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, right? He used these kind of heavy words of where he was and things he had been through in life. And then when you get to chapter 11, he lists an even more detailed list of some of the things he had been through. And when you read that list in chapter 11, you're thinking, wow, no wonder in chapter 1, verse 8, he said, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. 
it kind of makes sense. You're like, wow, that's, there's a lot of things going on in Paul's life. I can understand the desperation and the despair that he felt. But then here in this verse, in this chapter, he says, we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away. And in these verses, I think Paul gives us a little glimmer of hope of how we, or how he and we in turn can continue on in life in spite of these difficulties and struggles we face. What we see on the outside this outer man and woman, this person that of the age, is kind of what he's talking about, the person of the age, of, of the earth that's failing and it's fading away. Just like creation, that person, this outer person is wasting away. But at the same time, like the tree, you can go look at a crazy tree that's all gnarled and scraped up and looks like it's rotten and dead, but on the inside, this inner man is being renewed. There's new life happening. Colossians 3.9, the new man. 2 Corinthians 5.17, a new creation, right? There's a restored man, a reconciled man, a justified man, a holy and righteous man. Our personhood who is found in Christ, God is now daily making new. Though the outer seems to be wasting away, there's new life happening. So think about this just for a moment. Every day of our lives, as we walk with Jesus on this earth, we get closer and closer and closer to the end of our time on the earth. There's a fading, a wasting away happening. But yet at the same time, the very same time, every one of those days, there's continual new life, this new person that's being renewed It's preparing us for our future eternal home with God. So what Paul offers here is a a new perspective, a different perspective on, on life. The life, real life, true life, life that exists beyond this place. He starts to turn our eyes away from the here and now. The current situation, the circumstance, the suffering that we're going through, the affliction, and turn our eyes forward to, hey, there's, there's really great things happening even in the midst of this. New life is taking place, so don't lose heart, he says. We don't lose heart. We don't give up. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. A lot of people may read these verses here, or this particular verse, and I've worked with people who've been through some, and been in the midst of very, very tough situations, and to just throw a a verse at them like, hey, it's light and momentary. It's not very helpful in the moment. And so a, a verse like this kind of out of context and just thrown at you like, hey, suck it up. It's light and momentary. You're going to get through it. Don't worry. Like, no, I can't. I have no, my brain doesn't go there. My life is terrible right now. Which we don't want, if we want to put this in its proper context, in chapter 1, Paul said, we were so utterly burdened that we despaired of life itself. We thought we had received the sentence of death. So to put it in true perspective, Paul was in a pretty, pretty, pretty severe place. He understood how painful life can be. 
Because we read just a verse like this, we're like, wow, Paul never really, how are you going to be light and momentary, Paul? You don't understand the, the realities of life. Like if you read chapter 1, no, he understood. You relieve, read chapter 11, no, he understood the realities of life. But in this very moment as he's writing this, he says light and momentary. Or as the NLT puts it, small and won't last very long. Why? How can he say that? How can he say that? There's nothing seemingly momentary about our suffering when we're in it. And there's nothing really light about it when we're experiencing it. But in this moment, Paul gives us a glimpse of what happens. How does he do it? He gazes. He looks beyond. Preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Looking as we Look to the things that are not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. When we're in the midst of the affliction, listen, I, I understand as a counselor and a pastor, I've worked with lots of people struggling, and you don't want to just say this, hey, it's going to be okay. But typically, what we have when we're in these moments, these situations where life's terrible, we typically go two routes. One, we look outside of our, if it, it, we look so inside of ourselves, right, that we're just so consumed with the reality of our situation that we can't see anything else or hear anything else. We just consume with self. But if we do look outside, if we ever do typically start to look outside, usually what we'll do is we'll look at other people. And that goes bad in two ways. One, if you start looking at other people, particularly like social media people, you're like, man, their life's wonderful. Look how crazy their life is. so awesome and my life's terrible. And you start to have this comparison going on. It's not a good idea because when you see that somebody else is dealing with something wonderful, it just compounds your affliction and your suffering and your struggling. You think, man, my life's even worse because look at their life. I'm comparing myself to their life. So that's not really a good idea. But sometimes we look at other people, um, kind of makes, when we do that, makes our, our, our life a little heavier, our situation a little heavier. But sometimes we'll go the opposite route, like we'll pick the other end of the spectrum of people, and we'll look at people that are suffering worse than us. And we're like, oh, if we just, man, if I can put my suffering, my affliction, my struggle in its right perspective, I'll just look at somebody else that's dealing with something worse than me. <laughs> Does that really make you feel better? Does it really free you from the pain, the affliction? No, it's still there. Your suffering and your struggle is still there. And just because someone's may be worse doesn't make yours momentary. And it really doesn't lighten the load because now you're burdened for that person if you're any type of empathetic person in life. Now you got your suffering and struggle and you're like, oh my gosh, there's a terrible too. You know, it just adds to the weight. So comparing to other people, looking outside of ourselves at others is not the answer for us. What Paul offers here is to gaze upon a beauty that's greater. To gaze upon something, to look to something that is unseen. You see everybody else's life, but what if we look to something that is unseen, something that would transform or reform or bring new life to us? The psalmist in Psalm 27, 4, 
says, the one thing I ask that I would seek after, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord and to gaze upon his beauty, to gaze upon him forever. Proper perspective comes, transformation comes by gazing and looking and observing and contemplating and meditating upon something that is more glorious and more beautiful and more powerful than our current situation. Something eternal. Uh, Pastor Sam Storms, he wrote it this way. He said, our inner person is being renewed as we look or while we look at the unseen, eternal things of the age to come. In other words, the process of renewal only occurs as the believer looks to things as yet unseen. As we fix the gaze of our hearts on the glorious hope of the age to come, God progressively renews our inner being, notwithstanding the simultaneous decay of our outer being. The point is, inner renewal does not happen automatically or mechanically. It happens only as or provided that we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Looking beyond us to eternal realities transforms and shapes us. So that puts our, 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 our struggle, our affliction in a proper perspective. Compared to the eternality of God, <laughs> compared to the splendor of God, and the hope we have in God, it's momentary. It's just a moment. And it lightens Your life, your eternal life, your new person being renewed each day, as Paul says in Colossians 3, is hidden with Christ in God. It's hidden. It's unseen. Your true life is unseen. Look to it. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. Moses says, by faith, it says, Moses by faith left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, who he saw, the visible one, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He gazed upon the one who is invisible. And he endured through that. So how do we look to the unseen? That's a great question. How do we do that? Um, lots of things. I just want to hit on three things and kind of pull in this, bring my, my tree analogy back in here. Right, My little cool little tree growing from its roots. I think our roots are very important. Um, a fruitful tree... A tree that really produces great fruit in life, the things that you can see, the effects of it, is, is a rooted tree. An unrooted tree does not produce fruit. Fruit comes and goes in seasons, but roots remain. You can prune, you can be damaged, you can be cut down, but if the roots remain, new life can continue to grow. So our roots... I'm going to pay attention to our roots, and I'll define roots in this context as our inner person who's in Christ and is being renewed day by day, anchored in him, dwelling in him, and abiding in him. So I'm going to point out three attributes of roots. Crazy thing, there's three kind of primary things that roots do for trees. The first one, this is kind of crazy, but... Read a couple books on this. Again, not an arborist, but read a couple books on this. And it's pretty crazy that one of the things that roots do for trees is provide community. Roots of trees of the same species, species, their roots interact with each other under the ground. 
they have connection, community with one another under the ground. And most of you probably heard of the aspen trees up in, up in other places besides Kingwood. So aspen trees, right? All of the roots are interconnected. They're like one giant organism. So that's an example. But even roots like not the aspen tree, like oak trees and other trees, they, they interact under the ground with their roots. Roots are where trees experience community. They connect to one another. They, they, it connects them to something beyond themselves. So our roots are the church, our community. Right? We're invited into, in Christ, in Jesus, we're invited into a relationship with the communal God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. A communal God interacting in perfect love and harmony with three persons. We're invited into that community in Christ. So not only that community, the reflection of that community on the earth in the church. We're invited into this community. This is where our life comes from. The expression of that community. God lived out among the people of the church in the earth. And so if we're to have leaves that are going to be healing for the nation, it's going to be because we're rooted in community. The community, the body of Christ, loving one another, being with one another, serving one another, all the one another's, interacting with one another. Crazy thing, but that's just not a biblical thing. It, I mean, it is a biblical thing, a theological thing, a truth-filled thing, but check this out. There's a guy named Dr. Kurt Thompson who's a neurobiologist. He studied the brain. He's super smart dude, loves Jesus immensely. Listen to what he writes. To this God whom we meet in Jesus, we must direct our attention if we are to know the healing of our shame. We must literally look to Jesus in embodied ways in order to know how being loved in community brings shame to its knees and lifts us up and into the acts of goodness and beauty. Healing shame requires our being vulnerable with other people in embodied actions. He also writes, that was in his book, Soul of Shame. He also writes in a book called Soul of Desire, the brain can do a lot of hard work for a long period of time as long as it doesn't have to do it by itself. Who among us doesn't have something in our lives we have simply given up on? Our discouragement and even despair about such things are more than anything else deeply dependent upon the degree to which our minds and hearts are living in isolation. The more isolated you are, the more despair you'll experience. Your brain was created and designed by God to interact with other people. And in that interaction, it brings healing and restoration and growth. Community, one of our roots is community. The second root, second aspect of roots for trees is it brings them stability. It anchors them. It grounds them. When the winds and the craziness of the world come and blow and the storms and the chaos and the lightning and the thunder and the boom and all the craziness, trees remain because they're anchored, because their roots hold them firm. They ground them. So what grounds us? Where is our stability? Psalm 1, 
The man who delights in the law of the Lord is like a tree planted. A delight in truth. Delight in the gospel. The word made flesh himself. A delight in God's word in Jesus. The truth is what anchors us. So no matter the storms and the circumstances, we have a continual stabilizing force. Because Jesus is the stabilizing, stabilizing force of all creation. Colossians says that all things were created by him and for him. They were created through him. He is the stabilizing force of creation. So to anchor our lives, to find life in the midst of all the chaos when we feel stripped and burdened is to be rooted in Jesus. To enjoy and delight and love Jesus, to follow Jesus because he's the stabilizing force. Psalm 73, verse 26, my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. He's the one who strengthens and stabilizes me forever. Delighting in him, being with him. And the third thing that roots do is they provide nourishment. It's a community, stability, and nourishment. They sustain the life of the tree. So how do we experience nourishment God's presence, the spirit, through worship, prayer, contemplation, silence and solitude, practicing spiritual disciplines in life, put us in a posture, a place where we can engage with God and he engage with us and we experience his spirit. John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, anyone need nourishment, Anyone need to drink, let him come to me. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. So we receive the Holy Spirit that is the the nourishment of our lives, postures as when we Practice these things like prayer and worship and silence and solitude and sitting with God. We experience nourishment through the presence of the Spirit of God within our lives. Psalm 1, like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in due season. Like you're by the water, the living water. The living water is within you in the presence of the Spirit of God. So we look to the roots, community, God's people, invitation into a community. Truth, God's word, stabilizes us, anchors us. The living word made flesh and presence, God's spirit with us, brings life to us. These are the attributes of roots. And I believe these are the things that if we look to the unseen things, the unseen realities of community that we experience, the unseen truth of Jesus and worship and loving and delighting with him, the unseen presence of the Holy Spirit within us, we look to these things in the midst of our affliction. It helps bring life to us. And in bringing life to us, back to Revelation. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I'll wrap it up with this. 
I was pondering that verse the other day and thinking through what in the what in the world? What in the world does that mean? Leaves healing. I don't really know. But I suspect if you think about what leaves do, leaves there's a couple things, there's probably a lot of things, but there's a couple things that leaves do from trees. Number one, they produce oxygen. The leaves of the tree is where photosynthesis is happening, where they're transforming the water coming up from the roots with the carbon dioxide within them that they receive from the air, and they produce life for the tree, and then they, in the process they release oxygen. <laughs> we can't live without oxygen. Healing. Have you ever been sick and you go to the doctor and they're like, oxygen. You need oxygen for health and life, right? So the trees of the leaves produce oxygen as they absorb the water from the roots. (laughs) So for a leaf to be active, it needs to be drinking. It needs to have nourishment. It needs to be stable. It needs to be in community. community. The second thing that leaves provide... um, is shade. You know, they can provide a canopy that provides a respite from the torching sun, from the craziness in the midst of rain, storms you can get underneath a tree and it protects from the downpour, right? So leaves provide shade. And the more water the leaves obtain from the roots, the more robust the more hardy, the more healthy and durable a leaf is. So a leaf in the fall, whenever trees start to go dormant, they stop drinking water to conserve energy. And in the process, the leaf gets what? Brown, crispy, crunchy, breaks. It doesn't protect. It's not robust and full, and it doesn't protect. So a tree that's not drinking water that goes dormant, its leaves are useless, and they end up falling off. So for us to be the healing to the nations, to people in Kingwood, people in Houston, people beyond the nations that want to experience the the beauty and the grace and the love and the hope and the life that comes in the gospel of Jesus, the healing that the church can bring, we have to pay attention to what is unseen in our lives, to give attention to these things. There's a lot more that we could probably focus on, but community, God's people, stability in God's truth, and nourishment from God's spirit, I think we continue to grow no matter what happens up here above the surface and no matter how afflicted we may feel at the time. So whatever you're going through today, whatever you've gone through in the past, whatever you may go through in the future, I hope and encourage you to look beyond the here and now and don't lose heart, but look forward to what's unseen because our life in Christ has purpose. Our life in Christ has meaning. Our life in Christ always has hope because it's renewed day by day. Praise God from whom all Thank you for worshiping with us through the preaching of God's Word. We exist to glorify God by making disciples. We would love to have you join us in person as we gather together on Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Covenant Preparatory School on Hamblin Road in Kingwood, Texas. 
To learn more about Christ Church Kingwood, visit our website at ChristChurchKingwood.org. Uh...